Welcome everybody to a new episode of A Yank and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm your Swede, Sebastian Noren. With me is your Yank, Elliot Niblock. It's uh, it's been a rough weekend as far as things are going, both here in the U.S. and in England. Um, we'll start off with Vishi Shrivadhana Prabha. I'm sorry if I'm butchering this last name, but it's a long and difficult one. Lester, chairman and owner, uh, died in a helicopter crash after Lester's game on Saturday. He was one of five people in the helicopter that went down and crashed in the parking lot right next to the stadium. So a big, big loss, of course, for Lester and that whole community. Uh, in addition to... Vishai, um, it was the pilot and his partner, and then two employees of Vishai. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a real tragedy, and we have to, you know, we say on the show all the time what uh, remarkable feat uh, Lester winning the title was and how it, you know, is it may even remain unparalleled in international sport for uh, maybe even our entire lifetimes. Um, but I, I think that how beloved he was around the club and even in the community at large is uh, really palpable with the outpouring of support that you've seen. Um, and I think that that's important to highlight the the relationship that he had with the fans in Leicester because we live in an age of foreign billionaire owners and to be sure he was you know it, like can be counted among them and but he really like connected with the fans in a way that a lot of people don't you know you'd see mm-hmm. bands saying Kroenke out as though Arsenal fans could get the American billionaire out of their club. Uh, you know, they're reminiscent of the anti-glazer scarves at United. Uh, we hear also the oil billions that are funding the likes of Manchester city. Of course, the Roman Abramovich has a whole myriad of issues in and of himself. And so all of these, all of these owners who come in to English clubs seem to always be carrying baggage. And he was a standout in that he, he he seemed to really connect with the fans. And, of course, you bring a shock title that's always going to endear you to the supporters. But, yeah, but I think even uh, even before that, I mean, he took, yeah. over, he took over the club in 2010 in August. Uh, the Asia Football Investment Consortium, um, which was him and his son, Ayavat, and... Uh, and, you know, it's been a remarkable journey from when they took over the club. Of course, they've spent money, but it it hasn't been on the level that we saw Abramovich just pump money into Chelsea when he bought them. It's been more of a steady, you know, incline as far as how they performed. And it's like, okay, revenue's gone up. Well, then we can put more money in the club. So it, it it hasn't just been that weird overnight super rich influx of cash that we've seen in some other clubs. Um, so yeah, it's a big big loss, of course. And our thoughts goes out to Lester and the whole community there. 
You know, one thing that I want to yes. point out about this, um, I mean, it, it's a tragedy no matter what, but I, I, I want to really raise up the pilot because, yeah, I mean, the, there are a lot of eyewitnesses who spoke about how the helicopter was you know, erratic and was clearly spinning out of control and veered away from hundreds of fans and managed to to land in a car park and yeah. no one will ever know entirely right how much control he did or did not have but it seems based on the eyewitness accounts that it did veer away from a lot of innocent bystanders and to have that present of mind to to make sure that you know knowing that this is likely the end for you in one of the most tragic and horrifically painful ways to go to make sure that you minimize the casualties like that, like that is something that we just have to have so much respect for. So I, you know, and it's just something that it's a small silver lining, but we, you know, he, he's a, he's a hero. And, and I just wanted to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. They've had tributes outside of King power stadium. Uh, team was there. Fans were there. So, um, yeah, our thoughts go out to them, of course. And then Glenn Hoddle, the former Tottenham Hotspurs player and uh, or Tottenham manager and England manager, um, had a heart attack while he was at the BT Sports studio. Um, right now, we know all we know is that he's in serious condition, so hopefully he can pull through there. Um, he said that he's been overwhelmed by all the best wishes. Um, all the family said that in a statement. So, um, yeah, 61 years old. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> seems younger and younger every day, age of 61. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of, you know, there's no easy way to transition over to what went on on the pitch but you know that's that's why we why we are here to discuss the football and if we start with that Leicester game on Saturday uh, Leicester got a 1-1 draw against West Ham uh, late equalizer by Ndidi so uh, but I mean this game is always going to be remembered for what happened afterwards yeah no it's I mean it's reminiscent of um of at the Stade de France, the the match between France and Germany, uh, the fateful night of the uh, November attacks in in Paris, uh, and and the other uh, goal by Olivier Giroud, and uh, I think it was um, Andre Pierre Gignac. But you know, footnotes to history, and this will be the same, but. Uh, but again, to the the football itself, um, the Foxes have to be happy with that equalizer. I mean, maybe disappointed with the result on the whole, uh, given that West Ham has struggled a lot this season. But I think that, and again, it's it, I'm sorry, we 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 can't totally divorce our discussion of this match from the broader context. No. But uh, you know, it's. It's a result that the the point will they'll be happy for, and 
um, you know, when we when we see the foxes return to the king power, and that won't be won't be until November tenth. I'm sure that uh, the the energy in that stadium will be mournful yet vibrant, and they certainly at least got a a last a last minute hurrah there. And I think that you know it's it, it's hard to it's hard to read read into these things with the 2020 of hindsight, especially when tragedy is in the equation, as of course it is in this instance. But you have to say, well, you know. At least there was one last moment of joy there before tragedy struck. Yep. Yep. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday, um, Liverpool took a 41 win at home over Cardiff. Mohamed Salah with one goal, Sadio Mane with two goals, and Sheridan Shakiri with two or with one goal. And then Salah also had a couple of assists, so it was a very good game for Salah. Um, you know, starting to pick up pace here a little bit. Um, and Liverpool, you know, keep getting results. So um, they're um, one of three unbeaten teams. It's still the same three, Man City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. Uh, But Liverpool, they're in second place right now. They got 26 points, just as many as Manchester City. And uh, we'll get to their game a little bit later. But if you look at Mo Salah and Mane, two players that had a couple of, you know, they were a little bit banged up when they came back after the international break. Uh, yeah. Still coming out like this, being very effective to, you know, I would say Mo Salah, world-class almost. Sadio Mane, maybe slightly under that. Category. Oh, I mean, yeah, no. Mohamed Salah is inarguably world-class, and I think that watching him... You know, watching him carrying a bit of a knock, <laughs> like the way, like the the quickness that he has, despite that, is it's just remarkable. And I think that bespeaks the fact that he's world class. And yeah, Mane may be a slight step down, but I think there are very few Premier League teams that would not take him on and plug him immediately into the starting eleven. Oh yeah. Yep. No, two goals for him there, so that's good for him and my fantasy team as I decided to put him in before this weekend. So, Huzzah! Yeah, always something, right? Uh, moving over to Sunday, things kicked off with uh, Chelsea beating Burnley on the road 4 nothing. That game was on NBC Sports Gold, so I didn't see a single second of this. But Morata, Barkley, William, and Loftus-Cheek. And Loftus-Cheek has been very good this uh you know past couple of weeks uh, had a fine outing in the Europa League as well yeah he's really been something else as of late and i think that i i mean i don't know although i have to this is still like silly and juvenile of me but i always think of the sandwich every time i hear his name <laughs> what sandwich uh the reuben oh okay i was like Cheek sandwich. Hmm. Well, that I sounds, mean, there are. That sounds pretty good. Beef cheek can, sandwich. Yeah. I mean, I head that. cheese. You can do yeah. some. There, there's a restaurant in Chicago that makes a pig face dish out of jowls that will, you know, melt your face, if you will. Um, but 
Sorry, couldn't help myself. Rubens are also excellent. But he's a player that I think that we're going to be seeing him and not only because he has a hyphenated name also, but Alexander Angerholt in the English team for a long, long time to come. And I foresee them both being staples at the Euros two years from now. Mm -hmm. What what do you think about Ross Barkley? I mean, he's really picked things up this season as well. He has, and he's. I mean, you know, you gotta. All we have to do is point to Glenn Murray and say, "Hey, man, it's never too late." And yet, Ross Barkley seems like he's in his late twenties or early thirties, just because he's been that next big thing for a while. And yet, he's he's not even twenty five. I mean, he will be inside of six weeks, but regardless, he's finally starting to find that form. Uh, I think that I, I'm still not sure that his ceiling is truly world-class, but that said, he's also the, the closest thing to a pure box-to-box midfielder that England have had, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's the names of greats that, only come to mind you know it's like he's oh well, i can't say he's effing hard he's steven gerrard no. um but no no you don't think barkley's gonna ever be a gerrard no. player no i yeah, yeah, i have no. a very hard time seeing that but like you said he no. can be a very solid player that's and, what i mean though is yeah. that he's his ceiling is not that world-class level but he could be as good as they've had since gerrard mm-hmm and, I, and and that's still that's still maybe it's not damning with faint praise, but it's faint damnation with high praise. Yep. Yeah, goal and two assists in this game, so uh, good outing for him. I mean, it's it's hard to say. There's a couple of players there in the England midfield that I feel are going to have a spot for a long time to come, and Eric Dyer is one of them, and uh, of course Deli Ali. Um, so I mean they're churning out some good midfield midfielders. They just need I think Deli Ali has the potential to become world 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 class. Um and that might be, you know, the you guy. You think so? Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I think that he and you know, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, oh, those are gonna Harry be Harry Kane is all Harry Kane is already world class. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like those are gonna be the cornerstones of England going forward. I, I agree with the latter. I'm not sure about the former. I think that Harry Kane has already established himself as one of the great strikers in the world. And it, there's you can't... I mean, and this is coming from an Arsenal supporter, right? You cannot call him anything less than world-class. I'm not sure. I think that Rashford definitely has the potential to be that. I think Deli Ali might have the potential to be that. But neither of them are there. I don't think either one are even really very close. But Harry Kane is already there, hands down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun when uh, you know the, we are getting closer and closer to the day where it won't be Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and then everyone else. They are getting up there in age. Yeah, but I'm going to miss Messi. Yeah. I mean, 
not at not first. Told. Not not at first. I mean, you you can look back after a while and then you can be like, yeah, damn, he was good. But right now, I I'm not a big fan of Barcelona. I think that that whole machine is kind of disgusting. Part yeah, of it, that's fine. Part, part of it is obviously the way they treated Slatan, of course. I know I'm I'm biased in that regard because they they definitely did not treat him well enough. Um and I think that Messi can be a little bit petty at some times it seems like um Cristiano, of course, after him spending a lot of time in Manchester, I love that guy, even though he does that weird thing with his ab flexing and everything. Yeah, you know, I could do without that. I could Not do just without the abs, that. man. It's the pecs, too. Yeah, I could do without all that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, one thing, though, that is kind of interesting is it seems like a lot of players for Barcelona and Real Madrid don't know how to do their taxes. This is Strange super, how that super works. sidetrack, but now we saw, we saw reports about Gareth Bale, too. It's like, really? yeah, who's their accountant? Seriously, it's like it seems like every top player in Barcelona and Real Madrid is like, oh, you forgot to pay the proper amount of taxes, and then they get that. You know, I think it's if you get a sentence under two years, you don't have to actually serve anything, so it's just probation, basically. Oh, yeah. And they all they all get that. It's like okay, eighteen months probation. Oh, oh well. Uh, it's just weird. It's it's just weird when there's so many players from those two teams that I, I feel like you should be when you're making that much money hire someone to. I mean, and they all do. They hire someone yeah, to keep, look after their finances, and it's like you can't pay the proper amount of tax. Come on. It, it's just I mean, it's just yeah. bizarre, really. Uh, we're moving on. Uh, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, two two, do a do a, two two, two two. Keep going, keep ah, going. That, Come that, on, that's pretty much what I got. Uh, <laughs> Sansan. Yeah. Uh, Luka Milivojevic, two penalties for Crystal Palace. Uh, Granitchaka and uh, Bomeyang. Had goals for Arsenal. How would you characterize this game? I mean, it's if you if you take if you take those two penalties away, this was a sort of a weird game. Crystal Palace still had sixteen attempts, three on target. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that a draw is a pretty fair result. Uh, to be quite honest, I mean, it's disappointing uh, from an Arsenal perspective. Yeah, two shots on target only. Yeah, no, absolutely. But and, they're both goals. But they're both goals. Um, it's a pattern that we've seen that is by turns encouraging and frustrating from an Arsenal perspective in that we're tepid in the first half. We come out in the second. We look lively. Bang, bang. We get a couple of goals in quick succession. This time we didn't kick on to dominate and win the match. Uh, always harder to do away from home, although it's, of course disheartening to see a team score their first home goal against you. Uh, but it's, it, I think that it, it speaks to two things on the one hand, we'll do the negative first, the continued defensive frailty of Arsenal. Um, and the, the chances speak to that, that Crystal Palace had 
maybe more than the penalties themselves, although you, you concede penalties, you're liable to drop some points. Uh, but the positive really is that I think, as, as sad as I am to see those two points fall by the wayside, this game maybe as, men, as much as any speaks to Unai Emery is a phenomenal appointment at Arsenal, and I feel so lucky to have him in charge. And Granit Xhaka, yeah, I mean, you saw it in his body language immediately after scoring that goal. He ran over to Emery to embrace him. And I told he spoke you, about it. I told Sorry, you, I told you he was a good yeah, hire. You did, you did, and and I, I, he is better than I could have ever hoped. Um, and I think that, and so Jaka spoke about about after the match. You know, Emery really kind of instilled him with confidence and told him you can go for goal and you can score and then he did and that's why he you know his teammates were all of course keen to celebrate with him but he ran over to the sideline and Arsene Wenger is a legend but you you do not see that happening frequently and I know there's a little bit of a uh, kind of rose-tinted glasses um, you know honeymoon period now especially given the long first winning and now still unbeaten streak. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that those kind of like coming out of the gate in the second half and playing really well and getting those goals and especially players that want to run over and celebrate with the manager, that is excellent. And, you know, there is, I don't know that there is a Virgil van Dyke equivalent to plug the problems that we have at the back, but I am... Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but we feel like a team that is so dangerous going forward, even without some of its best weapons all the time, even missing some chances that we get a little more sound at the back. And this is an Arsenal side that, dare I say, is, despite its significant problems at the moment, as close to being a title contender as I've seen in a while. Again with the large caveat of we need major personnel changes and I'm not sure that we're financially in a place to make those changes in the immediate or even the, you know, somewhat near future. Yeah. I mean, they got a big, big game coming up here uh, next weekend. They take on Liverpool at home. So get a statement win there and Hey, you, you never know. They only four points off the top two sitting in fourth place, 22 points. 24 goals scored, 13 conceded, which is, you know, significantly more than that top trio. But it's uh, it's fewer than Manchester United. Huh? Huh? Segway. Two to one win. Smooth. Yeah. Smooth as a baby's buttocks. Yep. So Manchester United, eighth placed Manchester United. They got up a couple of positions. Yay. Uh, Two to one win over Everton. Paul Pogba and Anthony Martial with the goals. Uh, Pogba scored on his own rebound after Pickford saved a penalty attempt. I absolutely hate the run-up that Pogba is doing before taking the penalty. It is silly. He needs to stop with that. Just (laughs) run up and hit the ball, goddammit. And get off my lawn. 
Uh, yeah, just horrible, horrible run up. Luckily, he's you know gets on his own rebound and scores. Um, Gilfus Sigurdsson pulled Everton within one, also from the penalty, or that was from the penalty spot, and he converted. And 77 minute, but that was as close as Everton would get. Uh, it's three points. I'm super happy with that. But as soon as Everton scored, they look afraid. Yeah, and I'm not sure how much time Paul Pogba is spending on your lawn, but I agree with pretty much everything else. Yeah, I, um, I, I would be shocked if he actually spent any time on my lawn. I wonder if he's ever been to Cincinnati in his life. Kind of doubt it. Don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what I want to hear your opinion about the Mourinho saga moving forward. I mean, I, I still want him to get fired. I still want him to leave. But like I've said before, I still want the team to go do well. I, I, yeah, but it's these kind of middling results, though. You know, it's... Yeah, but I mean, that shouldn't be a... a that's the thing. I feel like the board should look at the broader, broader picture. They did tell him to stop talking, which is always something, I guess. But that also shows you that you have a problem here. You have a manager that is just, as soon as things go against him now, he's going to lash out and give it a good, like if they would get a similar spanking like Real Madrid got by Barcelona, losing 5-1 against, let's say they would lose 5-1 against Liverpool or Man City or something, you just know that he would explode. You just know he would say something truly stupid again. And he he just, it's not, I've said this before, it's not worthy of a club of this stature. It's not worthy for the Manchester United brand. Okay, so, but let's, let's again speak to trying to keep things half full. (laughs) Uh, That Barcelona blowout of Real Madrid, uh, does that not speak to the qualities of Zinedine Zidane? And does that not yet further incentivize the board to try to go after him? I mean, I, I would like to see that. I, I, that's the thing. I don't... Honestly, if you take a look at available managers or managers that you could lure away from a different club, you know, if because they're not looking at, you know, a young up-and-coming English manager. They're not. They're looking at a bigger name. That's the whole deal with Manchester United these days. And yeah, Saddam fits that bill. And I don't think that it would be, uh, I don't think they would do worse under Saddam. I think it might take a while for players to get adjusted to a new system. That's, you know, normal. And I definitely don't think that he would sort of disappoint um, the club and the fans with the way he would act. <laughs> no. I mean, Mourinho's kind of the top of the pyramid when it comes to lack of professional or even basic human decorum. Yeah, I mean, he, the thing is that Mourinho as a person seems pretty cool. I mean, you've seen some interviews with him and he does some, you know, when it's not centered around the football, you know, I could probably have dinner with him and have a wonderful time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is a... 
Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to immediately backtrack on that. I'm not <laughs> sure. I, it, I, I don't know that I can respect him based on the things that he's said about rival managers and his own players in particular. But it's when he's, you know, doing some things that are just unworthy. Like, you're better than that. Don't, don't sink to that level. I mean... They got they only got one point against Chelsea and he's you know, holding up three fingers towards the fans and be like, Oh, I won three trophies here and blah 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 you know, all that stuff. Just let it go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and Yeah, I, he's, he's a narcissist. That's yeah. <laughs> what else do you want me to say? Yeah. And you know, Lukaku looks totally out of form. Also I think that's part because of the system. Uh, but that, you know, it doesn't matter what he does right now. He's getting a lot of criticism. And it might, some of it might just be unfair. Some of it, you know, he, he was an expensive buy and everything. So, you know, the bar is set high for what people expect of him. And right now, zero confidence and just looks absolutely horrible. And then Sanchez back on the bench, and um, yeah, it's just a uh... you just can't you just can't find a system that works because I mean this is this is the case of and yeah, I don't want to get too far into armchair psychoanalysis, but it is true that like it is the the hallmark of any and every narcissist is insecurity and lack of like the projection of supreme confidence when confidence is lacking and i think that's part of the reason why you see the system changing at old trafford all the time yeah yeah and de- defensively they've been poor um you know they've allowed way too many goals i mean you're looking at 10 games played and you're sitting at a an even goal differential 17 goals for 17 goals against that's not good enough 17 goals in 10 games and you're Manchester United and you have the, you know, arguably the best keeper in the world. Oh, inarguably. Well, okay. I guess arguably, but yeah. in my opinion, clearly. yeah, I mean, he, he's up there. Top three. De Gea is going to be on that list. Uh, and it's just, it's just so frustrating to see. Cause I do feel like this squad has quality in it. It's like, we've come back to time and time again. It's just, the manager is not the right fit for this team. And we'll we'll see how long it goes on. Maybe he'll get to the end of this season. But if we get to the start of next season and Mourinho is still the manager, ugh, I'm going to be crying blood. Wow. That's yeah. a, a bold and terrifying prediction. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> uh, it's just painful. And like I've said before, it's, it's disheartening as a fan to – not be excited to watch the games, really. Yeah. And it, it, that's just sad, really. Uh, and like I've said before, I've been spoiled throughout the years, but, you know, I got to stay in, in the moment. And right now it's, it's painful to watch this team play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday, today, as we're recording this, Manchester City took a one nothing win over Spurs at Wembley Stadium in uh, that gorgeous NFL field. Oh, oh my god. god! It was there was some real, some real Schadenfreude going on from an Arsenal perspective. 
Uh, I mean, I, I, I do appreciate the yard lines. I really do. I'm like, ah, that's it's kind of helpful. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But the middle of the pitch looked like crap. The field is super... Because NFL games destroy, yes. they destroy turf. Yeah, and the, I mean, the pitch is super compact. You could see the ball, ball was Yay. bouncing all over no, the place. Totally. Eric Lamella still should have scored the equalizing oh, yeah. chance he had in the 80th, 81st minute, but... I don't care that it took a little bobble because there were football or American football cleats in there. But I mean, this is, I, I, okay. So I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the little Janice thing and be a bit of a, uh, like turn my head in the other direction because I spoke positively about Harry Kane being inarguably world-class, which I think he is. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is shameful from a Tottenham perspective. And, I, I would be I would be furious if I was a Spurs supporter, but I think but but I want to parse here the the ownership of the club versus the fans, right? You know, and again, I know that if you're listening and you're Tottenham, the fact that I'm Arsenal probably means that you want me to go to hell to begin with. But hear me out, right? As a fan, if I were you, I would be livid, and you have a right to be. You have a right to be angry. Because the ownership of your club is in bed with the NFL. Because that's the whole design of Tottenham Stadium is they have this retractable American football pitch to keep exactly this scenario from happening. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the ownership also just wants to get every penny to make sure that they get all those luxury boxes and they get as much money out of the American NFL Football League as possible. And so what are you doing? You're playing in Wembley the you know the day after an american football game is played and there's only so much you can do with that pitch to make it even halfway acceptable yeah so yeah no this is this is i am laughing at the tottenham ownership and also the result for their club because of it i am as sympathetic as i can possibly ever be to spurs fans because it's it's bullshit. Yeah, it was a tough tough day at work for Spurs. Four shot attempts, only one on target. Uh, City scored the lone or Riyad Mahrez scored the lone goal for City, and I mean Mahrez really enjoying his time at City. Oh yeah, totally. Although he he also gave the ball away in what should have been a goal. He 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 hasn't played perfectly, but. He's played well, and he's been a useful player for them. And I'll admit, he's been—he's gotten more minutes than I thought he would in this team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Four goals already. So that's—I uh, mean, it's impressive. Like we said, we thought that he would be more of a you know rotation player, uh, bench player, but it's gotten some good minutes and played well. Uh, we still have two teams that are without a win, so I won our bet there as Newcastle and Huddersfield are still winless. Newcastle got a scoreless draw against Southampton, and Huddersfield lost 3 nothing to Watford. So, uh, yeah, you owe me a beer. Yeah, sure. You just got to come to Charlottesville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey man, I already saw you in Cincinnati. That's no, true. Just, Isn't there an app sure. where you can just buy me a beer at a bar or something? I feel like nope. I feel like that's a thing. Nope. Even if it is, I'm uh, got to unplug from the noise grid, man. Yeah. Reclaim our humanity in mm-hmm. the era of like 
mass industrialization and flattening of the human spirit. Yeah. Uh, one team. <laughs> You're like, yeah. 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 <laughs> hippie. Uh, last thing we'll touch upon here before signing off. Uh, sneaky good Bournemouth. Yeah. So with uh, yeah. three wins, one draw, and one loss in the last five they are now up to sixth place. They took a 3 nothing win on the road against Fulham. Uh, Callum Wilson with two goals, and then David Brooks also found the back of the net. So, sne- yeah, sneaky good Bournemouth. Are they this... Could they be sort of a Burnley-type team this season? Or is it too early? They could be a, they could be a Burnley, but that's not a high bar. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to be a Leicester. No. They could be a Burnley. I mean, Burnley last season, that was that was fun to watch. They've had a hard time here this season, but Burnley last season, that was, that was fun to watch. Uh, Bournemouth, though, yeah, we'll see. I mean, 19 goals, 4, 12 against. That's uh, better than Manchester United. <sighs> womp, womp. Yep. Yeah, it's it's tough, 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 tough to watch. Uh, right now, the poor Southampton though, six goals for. Same with Newcastle, and then Huddersfield, yeah. four. They've scored four goals in ten games while allowing twenty-one. Ooh, that's particularly brutal. Yep. 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 Although Fulham. <laughs> Fulham Allowed twenty eight so far. Yeah, they're they are again. Speaking of my ill founded predictions, some come true, many don't. I thought that Fulham was going to be in much better shape so far this season. Yeah, they've still got. I I still stand by my prediction that they're going to stay up. Yeah, I can definitely see them staying up. That's but, uh, but it's going to be tough. It it's going to be tough. Okay, with that, we're going to say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. One Yank, one Swede. I'm Seb Norin. Elliot is Keats was better. And then we'll talk to you again later in the week as we got some Carabao Cup action midweek. And then, of course, previewing match week 11 where we got some fairly interesting games coming up. So talk to you then. Until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye.